one who doesn't know me, uh, my name is Michael Murray. Um, it is an absolute privilege and honor to, to get to come and share with you this evening. But uh, far more importantly, um, it is an absolute privilege and honor to be your brother in Christ. Um, and if you will, join me in prayer, and uh, we'll dive right into it. What do you say? Father God, we just come before you and we thank you. We thank you that you honor your word, that you watch over your word to perform it. And your word says that, that where we praise you, where we lift you up, you will come and be in our midst. So we know that you are here. Holy Spirit, we pray even now that you would have your way in this place. Move on my heart. Move on every heart in this room. Cause us to be more Christ-like. Where there's healing needed, bring that healing. Where there is conviction needed, bring that conviction. Where there is peace needed, you promise to give it that it passes all understanding. So we receive it even now, Father God. Humble us. Make us like little children at your feet so that we will trust you. That we will look to you for everything and not doubt in any way. We love you. Have your way in this place. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, this evening, um, I'm going to share something with you that, that God laid on my heart quite some time ago. But um, as Pastor was really going through that be a son of encouragement, that, it was just really hitting my heart and a lot of points from what I'm going to share with you just kept coming back to mind. Um, so I know it may sound a bit odd, but this evening we're going to put in a focus and an emphasis on minding our table manners. Um, it's probably been a while since you've heard uh, um, one of those loving mothers remind you to mind your table manners. Um, but this evening we're going to put a focus on minding our table manners. And we're going to focus on one particular table. And that table is the wedding supper of the Lamb. Um, but before we get into it, I, wanna, I want us to listen to something. And if you need to, close your eyes. If, you need to, if you're one of those visual people. Um, but I want you to listen and I want us to really consider our own lives um, before we dive into the message. Of the blood of Christ. That cleanses me in every area from all sin. Read the That's the end. That's the end of it. That's the end. What can wash away my sin? for our sins, and not just for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. The blood of Jesus Christ flowed from seven places. The first place he bled from, the blood it poured from his head that day, the blood from the thorns in his skull cleanse you from thoughts, the blood that was on his face, hey, he has covered the things that you may not want to face up to because of what you've seen or heard. Know this, the blood flowed for you. Yeah, but John, you, you just don't know. I've I, I backed away from the Lord. I've turned my back on him. Well, they took a flagellum and they beat his back and blood flowed from his back. It was reduced to hamburger meat that day. His back was beaten so brutally. And if you've turned your back on him and walked away from him, know this, the blood, the blood that poured from his back cleanses you, sprinkles you. Yeah, but John, you, you just don't know what I've done with these hands. Those hands were pierced. Those hands were pinned to the tree. Spikes driven through those hands where he bled to cleanse you and cleanse me from the stuff that we handled that we ought not to have handled. The stuff that we've done that we ought not to have done. Hey, understand. The blood flowed from his hand. Yeah, but it's stuff that's inside of me, John. It's just things that I feel in my gut. I have bitterness towards them and I'm angry with her. 
Jesus, Jesus wants you to know that blood flowed from his side when they thrust that spear into him when he hung on the cross. Feet. I've walked where I ought not to have walked. Blood flowed from his feet too. When the spike pinned him through the feet to the cross of Calvary. And now I realize things that I can't face up to. Thoughts that I've had that are not right, not good, not true. Bitterness inside of me. Stuff I've touched that I ought not to touch. Places I've gone where I ought not to have walked. And I look and I realize the sevenfold flowing of the blood of Christ cleanses me in every area from all sin and I'm free and I'm forgiven by the blood what can wash away my sin nothing but the blood of Jesus and I just played that to remind us just for every one of the table manners that we discussed this evening the whole emphasis is on centered on that that lavish blood that Jesus Christ spilled for each and every one of us And it's also about that empty tomb. And it's also about the promise of His Holy Spirit. So as we go through these table manners, I want us to keep that in mind. Um, For each one of the table manners, it took that blood of Christ for us to have that entrance in. It took that empty tomb, that that defeat of death, for us to get the victory. And it takes His Holy Spirit to walk with us daily so that we can have that power to carry out the table manners that we're going to discuss, okay? So, I don't know if anyone in here has ever heard of Sean Covey. Anyone ever heard of Sean Covey? Um, He wrote a series, um, and I used to teach it when I was in the classroom, and I would teach it to my eighth graders. Um, It was entitled, Seven Habits of Highly Effective Teens. And one of those habits was to begin with the end in mind. So that's what we're going to do this evening. So, I'm going to take us first to that table. That table is the wedding supper of the Lamb. And if you'll look, if you'd like to turn, you can. It's, uh, it's in Revelation chapter 19. Revelation 19. Verses 6 through 9. And it says, Then I heard what sounded like a, a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, And as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear, for the fine linen represents the righteous acts of the saints. And then the angel said to me, Right blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. And when I got this, like I, you know, I was reading, studying, and like a a very clear image of something of what this is going to be like really just kind of flooded my mind. And as I was, you know, I was, I was glorying in it. There was great joy as I, as I read it and I saw this in my mind and in my heart and as I sat there I I felt and I didn't see like a picture of Jesus or an image or anything but I felt the look of love from him over me and it was overwhelming and I just sat there and wept but I'm a crybaby so it doesn't take a lot to to make me cry but you know as I wept it, it shifted and it changed and it hit me and and it actually began to feel a bit cold. And, and I realized, I was like, wait a minute, there are going to be some people that, that I interact with, people that I know, people that I've worked with, maybe even family members who won't be at this table. And, and, and it hit me, and I'm like, God, I know that you, you've called out to me. Aren't you calling out to them too? And as it hit me, I was like, you know, what role can I play to be an instrument to help get them to the table? 
Because God is consistently calling to us. And it doesn't matter what, at what point you are in life at, along that spectrum, whether you are someone who has never cried out to, to Christ, saying, hey, I'm a sinner, I believe that your blood was shed for me. Come into my life, I need you. If you're someone who's never done that, or maybe you're what you know is oftentimes called a baby Christian, like you, you've just now began walking with God, or maybe you're one of those super-duper rock-steady Christians, you know, and just on it, yeah. Either way, all along that spectrum, God is constantly calling to us. And I'm going to share something with you. Um, I wrote this quite some time ago. But I hope that you'll take away from it the emphasis that God is consistently calling out to us. I don't mean to alarm you, but this is not a pretty poem. It's about shame and disgrace, the things it took for us to know Him. It's about the murders, the lies, the lust, the envy that He bore in His body as He died on the tree. It's about the way we cling to our ugly, selfish pride. It's about the thorns, the nails, the cold steel in his side. It's about the way the father turned his head as his son he banished. It's about the way the son cried out through the tears, It is finished! Now do not be mistaken. Let no man boast. This is not about our works. This is about Jesus and when he gave up the ghost. I'm sure you recall all the sin that I mentioned when I began this tale. Well, our Savior took those to the grave and He conquered our hell. We no longer need for to sin to conceive. For He who is free is free indeed. And He patiently waits for us to seek His face. Because only there will we know His true joy and full grace. Well, I guess this turned out to be a pretty poem after all. The Savior's knocking on your heart. Will you answer his call? And I, I just simply share that as a consideration because Christ is continuously calling out to us. That's why we, uh, I'm, I'm, my heart really swells with pride, and, and that's a, a positive thing, not a, not a crazy pride, but I'm really excited that we're doing the Nigerian children's home. That, that's something that's really heavy on um, me and my wife's heart right now. Um, because Christ is calling out to them as well. He's consistently calling out to us. And one thing I want everybody to consider is that when Christ makes this call, we will give an answer. Whether it is, yes, I hear your call, I accept your invitation. Or, rail your fist and say, no, I, I refuse. But to give no answer at all or to refuse to answer is an answer. Either way. So as God is making that call, giving that invitation to the wedding supper of the Lamb, I encourage you to take it. And if you're at that point where you have no idea what I'm talking about, I promise you, you are surrounded by people who can guide you, who can help you. Reach out, speak to us, okay? So let's dive into the, uh, the table manners, okay? Um, one thing, if, if you'll notice in the Scripture You'll notice that I, I highlighted righteous acts of the saints. So basically, what this speaks of is the fact that those righteous acts, those, those choices that we make, those, those things that we do while we are walking out this life in this skin, on this earth, as we walk out those, those things we do that are positive, those righteous acts, those things that bring about life, those are going to be the garments we wear, you know, at the wedding supper of the Lamb. We want to make sure that that we have something to wear, you know? So basically we want to make sure that we, we choose um, those righteous acts. And I think one of the greatest ones that I can possibly think of is to invite someone else to the table, to introduce someone else to the love of Jesus Christ. Right? Would you agree with me? Yeah. So if we're going to do that, the first thing that we have to um, to do if we are going to be at the wedding supper of the Lamb and be someone who's going to invite others, we have to know Him. Jesus is the Lamb who will be, sat at, um, who will be um, celebrated at the wedding supper of the Lamb. So we want to make sure that we know Him. 
And if you don't know him, if you do not know the host, you will not be at the table. And I, once again, I don't know how that makes you feel. My prayer is that God will burden our hearts with the same burden that he feels for those who are lost, our co-workers, um, those we serve, our family members. So to the initiation or the beginning of that relationship, um, we can go in Romans 10, 9, and 10. And it states that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. This is the beginning of, of that relationship. This is where... When we take this step, this is where we begin to, to cultivate um, a relationship with Jesus the Christ. And as we, as we get to know him, there's a, there's a progression. If you can go to the next one. Ephesians 3, 17, 9, 17 through 19 says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. So in getting to know Christ, it, there's, a, there's a progression, there's a reason. As we get to know him, the, the, what he hopes or what he, his desire is is to, to really get to the point to where we know, truly know God and have that fullness of God within us. He, the fact that he chooses, the God of the universe who created everything around us, desires to make his home within us. That should be humbling beyond belief. But it's not just so that it can be like, all right, well, I know God and he made his home in me and now it's, me and my four and no more. There's a reason. There's a reason for, for God to come and dwell within us so that we begin to know the fullness of God. And that's ultimately so that we can live out life successfully and in godliness. And if we do that, then we will be salt and light. God calls for us to be salt and light um, for two main purposes, I think. First and foremost, salt makes us thirsty. Would you agree? Yeah, salt makes us thirsty. And light shows us the path out of darkness. Would you agree? Yeah. So, you know that saying, they say you, um, you, can't, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink, right? But you give them a salt lick, I'm pretty sure you can help them get thirsty, right? Yeah. So, and... When it comes to those friends that we're talking about in the world, now that I know God, the fullness of God is dwelling in me. He is causing me to be salt and light. There are individuals that I interact with that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt don't know him. But if I am that salt, I can cause them to become thirsty for living water. And like Pastor has been speaking of, those rivers of living water are flowing out of us. So if I'm going to be salt, I can make them thirsty. And if the fullness of God is resting in me because I, have, I know him, and if I know him, I'm spending time with him in prayer. And if I'm spending time with him in prayer, the more I get to know him, he's promised that those rivers of living water will flow out of me. I'm sharing with these individuals consistently. They, are, they should be able to see my life and become thirsty. I want what you have. And then I'm able to share with them. So that's that progression. As I know him, it's not just... So that the fullness of God can rest in me and, and I'm good to go and no mo. I don't know if they say that anymore. But, um, but it's so that I can be salt and light. All right. If you'll take a look at, uh, in knowing him, Daniel 11.32. I'm sorry. Um, that was a point that I just made. Uh, As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And ultimately, just like I made that point, God has delivered us. Um, we know him. 
his fullness is resting in us, we're at that point to where we can now begin to share him with others. In Daniel 11.32, it states that, and the part B, the second part of the verse says, but the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. And when you hear that word exploits, that just means great achievements or something, a phenomenal achievement. And I, once again, I go back to what I said at the beginning. I really can't think of anything greater. I mean, we can build magnificent buildings. We can put all kinds of systems and programs into place. But when one soul comes to God, all of heaven erupts in, in celebration. So it might not be a, like a, a Reinhardt Bonnke and there's millions of people at, at a um, crusade in which you share Christ. A great exploit for you if you feel like you're shy might be if I'm going to step out and I'm going to tell this one person that God has really laid on my heart. Just to step out of that shyness and share Christ with that one person is an amazing exploit. But if we know our God, that's when we will carry out those great exploits. Because, like I said, He shed that lavish blood on us. The tomb is empty. He promised to send the Comforter, His Holy Spirit. So with these things, with these facts, I am now able to carry out great exploits. Does that make sense to you? Okay. So the next table manner we're going to talk about, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to know him. The next thing we're going to do is we're going to be hungry. So when my wife and I, we moved here to uh, Houston in 2014, and I had a neighbor. We lived in the Humble Spring area when we first moved here. And um, that neighbor uh, introduced us to Fajita Marinara. Anybody familiar with that? Yeah? He told me how to go to the uh, La Michoacana, the Mexican meat market, ask for it by name, how exactly to prepare it, and it is absolutely phenomenal. So if someone said to me, if John said, um, you know, if John said, hey, Mike, why don't you bring your family over? We're going to have some fajita marinara. I'm not, you know, how am I going to go to his house? I mean, not, not ravenously crazy hungry, but am I going to be hungry when I go to his house? Am I going to hold off on some things just so I can make sure that, that, I, that I'm, I'm, I'm ready when I get to his house? Yeah, most definitely. I'm going to be hungry. So after we get to know him, we're spending that time in prayer. We want to get to the place to where we are hungry for his word. 1 Peter 2.2 2 says, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word so that you may grow thereby. So as we dive into his word, I think that's one of the, probably one of the best ways we can get to know him. We've got that prayer. It's extremely important. But we need to learn of Jesus. We need to learn of the Lamb. Because it would be really awkward to get to the wedding supper of the Lamb and you really don't know the host. Would that not be kind of awkward? Yeah. So we need to get to know him by spending that time in prayer. And learning of him through his word. Jesus said, learn of me. Take my yoke upon you. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. And I actually, I wish I'd have taken a picture. That we go out to a certain ranch out in um, Trinity. And in the living room. Actually, this house is crazy. It has like stuffed bull heads on the walls. And I'm like, this is what I thought of Texas before I moved here. It's not really like that everywhere. But. She has a yoke hanging in the living room. And what I noticed about it, a yoke is usually for a team of oxen. Team meaning there are two. So when Jesus is saying to us, take my yoke upon you, he's not saying this is a burden I'm going to put on you. It's easy and it's light. He's saying, hey, I'm up under here with you. Take my yoke. And he says, cast off the yoke of the world. It's heavy. Those burdens that you you weigh, that weigh you down, that hold you, that frustrate you and hold you down. Take those off. Here, take my yoke upon you. But here's the trick. If your way doesn't line up with God's will and, and the direction of the Holy Spirit, He's not going to go your way. It is, an, it is an agreement. 
when I say I am going to take his yoke upon me, he's up under there with me. He's going to take every step with me. Does that make sense? So we need to learn of him. And we can do so by being hungry for his word, getting into his word on a consistent basis. If you go to the next one, please. Oh, no, 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 stay there. I'm sorry. I forgot they were all on one, one screen for this one. As we grow, as we get into his word more and more, and, and that's, that was one of the things that really drew me. Like, um, I grew up in a small town in Alabama, left for the military at 14. You know, I was born and raised in a small church, small Baptist church there, followed Christ hardcore, and um, at about age 14, I walked away from God, and then from 14 to 21, that's high school, and the time that I served in the United States Army, I ran from God. And it got to the point where it was awkward when I did cry out to him because it had been so long. And some of us may be at that point. Let's, let's just be honest. I, I don't know. I pray that that's not the case. But when I came back to him, he gave me a testimony immediately where he delivered me from the things that I had gotten myself entangled in. I mean, and it was radical. It was, I hit the, the altar one Sunday at a church and said, I'm not getting up from here. And I freaked those people out in that little Baptist church in, in Columbus, Ohio, because at there you stand up on this song, you sit down on this song, we sing this verse of this song, we sing two verses of this one. The second song, I hit the altar and I was like, I'm not leaving here. I believe that you can deliver me and I will not get up from this point until I know that I'm done with these things. These idols, I've tried to tear them down on my own. I'm leaving them in your lap. I'm not getting up. Freaked them out. Pastor preached the whole sermon. And I don't know if you've been to a Baptist church, but then we give the altar call at the end and that's it. I got up at the altar call. I got up to go back to my seat at the altar call. So, um, But God gave me a radical testimony in that, in that he delivered me. But here was the key. Before I got to that point, I said, all right, I am going to read your word through. And I had never done that. I had never read you know, the entirety of God's word. I said, I, I am doing that. I worked two jobs because of all the debt I accrued in the military. So I had my one job and then I had one job just to make up for the debt. But when I, every single second I had, every break at work, every time I had a little ugly green and white couch that I got from the checker ones. I don't know if you remember those. They were popular in the late nineties, but I would come in and dive on that couch Sold the PlayStation because I was wasting so much time on those. Sold that and dived on the couch and just consumed God's Word. Just dived in, consumed it like it was the best fajita marinara ever. Eating it up consistently, consistently. That's what brought me to that point at the altar because I got to know Him. I disciplined myself, whereas my flesh said, No, you don't want to do that. Come over here and do this. I said, No, I want God's Word. I want his word. These are the words of life. I want this. And the more I read, the more I knew him. So it kind of goes hand in hand. The more I knew him, the hungrier I became. The hungrier I became, the more I read. The more I read, the more I knew him. Got to mind those table manners, you know. Um, but yeah, let's take a look at the next scripture. The more I... No, I'm sorry. Can you go back? I apologize. I was talking about, yeah. Um, the more I got into his word, the more I came to that point where I began to rejoice at his word as one who finds great treasure. And then it got to the point to where I began to recognize that this isn't just some book. And it changed the way I approached it. Each time I read it and the reverence that, I, that developed in me for his word, I got more from it every time I did open it. Because then, like Isaiah 66, 5 says, it says, Hear the word of the Lord, you who tremble at his word. I began to pray before. And that wasn't something I, I began to couple it with. It. I'm like, hey, um, Father God, I, I don't feel like this is just some book. I'm open it right now. And I trust that you are going to speak to me. I need to hear from you. Please speak to me. Give me something from your word today. Because I began, I, I developed that reverence or that a healthy fear. A sense of awe and wonder and 
and a healthy fear of God's Word and, and of God Himself. Does that make sense to you? Okay. So, as we're hungry, as we grow, as we get into His Word, we will begin to know the host of the wedding supper of the Lamb far better. But I want to be honest with you. If you'll go to the next one, please. The next piece is one of the table manners that, that we earnestly need. It is that we need to keep the faith. As you get to know Him, as you read His Word more, your faith will grow. You are feeding yourself. You are feeding that faith. So it will grow. We take a look here. It says, Ephesians 2, 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Never leave that. That is the cornerstone. Never leave that. Trust and believe. Now here's the trick. It is going to get rough. Especially if you you set your heart... If you say, God, burden my heart for lost souls like your heart burdens. Set me ablaze, set me afire with holy faith to reach those who are lost. You will face opposition. That is the truth of the matter. But my favorite verse in all of God's word is John sixteen thirty three. It says, in this world you will have tribulation. That means troubles. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. That's what the host of the wedding supper of the Lamb says to us. And if we know Him, we're going to look at those troubles differently. They're going to come. But I'm going to stand firm in my faith. I'm going to stand firm on the fact that the tomb is empty. And that the Comforter is with me. And as I stand firm in that, I'm going to respond to the situations the circumstances, the tribulations, far differently. They are not going to overwhelm me, overcome me. But they will be used as stepping stones, as we sang earlier, to go from glory to glory to glory. Amen? I'm taking a look at uh, Revelations 12, 11. It says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives even to death. And just like Pastor Amy said as she was speaking, there are brothers and sisters out there across this world who are currently giving their lives. And this speaks just this speaks of them. They stood firmly on the blood of the Lamb. They rested in the testimonies, the things that God had done in their lives that they could speak directly to. But my former pastor, um, Pastor Jerry, said something that I really liked because I caught myself and and I had become stagnant. I'll just be honest. Like, you're going to church and it's going through the motions. And he he really reminded me and set set ablaze. He said, uh, he said, you need we need to seek God's face. And there's a difference. When you seek God's face, you're seeking communion with him. I just want to be with you, Abba. I just want to be with you, Father. When we seek his hand, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that because he is the one who gives good gifts to his children. When we seek his hand, we are seeking provision. There's nothing wrong with that. But when we seek his face, we seek that communion. And he said, and Pastor Jerry said, he said, uh, we should seek God for a new testimony today. There's nothing wrong with leaning and resting on the things that God has done for us in the past. That's something that we should continuously remind ourselves. Remind your kids. The fact that um, my mother-in-law was there at the beach. I had a hernia. Two days before we were supposed to be, I was supposed to meet my wife at the altar. Had a hernia. Laid up. All my friends were playing in the ocean. I was excited. My wife walks in and uh, she says, what are you doing? I was laying on the couch. I'd been there for the whole day. I was like, I can't walk. I was like, I've got to meet you at the altar. I mean, uh, yeah, I've got to meet you at the altar in like two days, and I can't walk. I need to rest and get right. She said, no, you know what we need to be doing. I was like, ah, you're right. We need to be praying. 
So we laid hands on, did it the first time, prayed. I, I was like, yo, it's gone. I got up, I took a couple of steps, boom, the pain hit again, and I was reminded. Just like when Jesus asked the man, when he put the putty in his eyes, he was like, uh, can you see now? He said, I see, but it's blurry. Men are like trees. He said, let's do it again. Let's pray again. So we did it a second time. Laid hands on, prayed. Um, got up. I took about six steps. Hit again. I was like, nope, we got all day. Let's go again. Let's go again. Um, my mother-in-law had lovingly rented the, the beach house for a whole week, so we had all kinds of time. Went again. Third time I got up, it was totally gone. Everything was back in place. I ran around the, the top room of that, or the top part of that beach house. I mean, ran. And I had family members ask, say, is he for real? <laughs> I was like, well, you know, uh, completely serious. But that's a testimony. That's something that I lean back to. I, 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 I know my God is a God who, because of those stripes on his back that we, we listened about, we sang about, I know that he heals. I know that he delivers because of that altar in Columbus, Ohio. I have those testimonies. But he says, why don't you look for, seek God's face, seek communion with God for a testimony today. And he said, here's the trick to it. Satan can only knock you back to your last real um, interaction with Yahweh. Satan can only knock you back to your last real interaction with God. And I was like, that makes total sense. So I'm seeking his face. Like, God, in this week, show me something more of yourself. Show me something more of myself in you. Does that make sense? So we know him. We're hungry. We're going to keep the faith. You can go to the next one, Mr. Wilson. Next one uh, is that we need to be hospitable. If you read Galatians uh, 5, 22 through 23, we are familiar with it. Um, it speaks of the fruits of the Spirit. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And this is basically pointing out, and, and I want to give, give you a comparison. If there was someone who was kind, gentle, controlled themselves, um, loving, peaceable. Wouldn't you much rather hang out with that person than hang out with someone who was backbiting, tearing people down with their words, hostile? Would you not much rather hang out with someone who exhibited those fruits of the Spirit? Yeah. Sanity says you would, <laughs> you know? Um... So in being hospitable, if we know him, we'll never have the opportunity to, like Pastor said Sunday, pour out on everybody with those living waters if we're not hospitable. No one will want to be around us, right? So we want to be hospitable so that we have the opportunities to reach out. And I, I want to give us something that I think will help us cultivate by the Holy Spirit, cultivate those fruits of the Spirit, and to reach out to others. If you take a look at Titus 3, 2 through 3, says, To speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. I would never encourage anyone to wallow in what God has taken us out of. But I would caution everyone to remember. You don't have to look back and, and berate yourself about it because he who is free is free indeed. But if we remember and we can recall that God snatched us up out of a miry pit as well, it'll help us develop and keep a heart of empathy. Keep a soft heart toward those who are still lost and bound in sin. You hear me? So if we're going to be hospitable, we've got to be have that empathetic heart. And one of the ways we can do that is to remember what God has done for us. 
Romans 2.4. And this is the second part out of the Amplified. And this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Once again, John 16.33 is my actual favorite. But Romans 2.4 states that God's kindness is intended to bring us to repentance. And I think I got this lesson like really early in life. Um, I accepted Christ. Um, I I struggle with that. Like I responded to his call. I like that better. I responded to God's call at age eight. I had a lot of bad habits. The projects of the deep south, there's a lot of bad habits there, you know, even at a tender age of eight and stealing was one of them. I would steal, we had this um, super church for the kids, and, you know, I was scoping at church, I was scoping. There was a little window where we had the puppet show. You guys remember the puppet shows? And I knew that that, they would lock the door, but that's where they kept the candy as well. And I love Tootsie Rolls, man. Even to this day, if you walk into my office at work, there is a bowl full of Tootsie Rolls on my desk. And I would, Sunday evenings, when Super Church wasn't going on and no one was around, I was uh, pretty stealthy. I'd sneak over in that window, shove my pockets full of Tootsie Rolls, and then like Eve, I'd go to my friends and be like, hey, man, I got these Tootsie Rolls. You want some? And of course they'd take them. But I knew it was wrong. And then I'd hit the altar, eight, nine years old, and I would weep my eyes out. Like, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But I took those Tootsie Rolls. They were good, but it was stealing. <laughs> and here's the, here's the trick, though, in, in how I really learned this, this verse. Not audibly, but in my heart of hearts, I would hear God say, I forgive you. Stop stealing. I forgive you. I'm not going to say that it never happened again. (laughs) However, that verse became very real to me. It was his kindness. It wasn't a berating. How dare you steal? It was, I forgive you now. Stop stealing. So it is his kindness that leads us to repentance. And in our table manner of being hospitable, my question to you, And my question to me is, are we willing to be instruments of God's kindness? Because God, he desires, and I firmly believe that the creator of all that we know is going to have his desires. He desires that all should repent. And he wants to use his kindness to get to to that point. Can we, will we, choose to be instruments of that kindness. Just something to think about. Um, Okay, we can go to the next. Teresa, you are rocking it. Thank you. Um, The next table manner is to build relationships. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. That basically just points to the fact that because we know him, because we've been hungry and we've gotten into his word, We actually have something. We can speak a word to someone in season because we have filled our hearts. We have filled our minds with his word because we've been hungry and ravenously fed on his word. We have something that we can share with them. And then through that, through that being a son of encouragement like Pastor Goodluck has spoken on, we can sharpen their countenance when they are low, when they are broken. We can come in and speak to them and undergird them and build them up. You know, because we are choosing to build relationships. And James five sixteen says, well, um, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And that word or that phrase avails much just simply means makes a lot of things happen. Let's keep it simple. Um, 
That is something that everyone needs, whether it is out in the world, and especially in my job. Um, I work in education, and I work in a school where there are 3,100 students. And one of the biggest challenges that faces education right now that's heartbreaking is the mental health of our kids. It would break your heart to see and hear the things that are going on there. And if you are a student in school, I encourage you, be salt and light. Be salt and light. Because whether it's in the world or whether it's in the the body of Christ, people need something real. They need something real. Because in a lot of cases, it is good to say, hey, God is good all the time, all the time God is good. And that's absolutely true. But there are some times when we plaster that smile on and we say that and we're really hurting inside. So we need someone that we can go to and say, man, I'm hurting. This is what's really going on in my life so that we can be honest with them. But here's the trick. Here's the trick to this. Because you know him, because you spend time in prayer, because the Holy Spirit is guiding you, because you are ravenously feasting on his word, you know that that's not for you to go and share with anybody else. When we share our faults with one another, that's someone we can be real with. That's someone that I can, I can turn to that person and then say, hey, I hear you, man. I said, but I'm going to tell you this, that's going to destroy you if you continue in it. So, but I tell you what, it will not leave between you and I. But right here, right now, I'm not going to pray for you. Will you pray with me? Let's pray God can deliver you from this. That's where you're able to, once again, reach back to that testimony you have that you just got like a couple of days ago. You can't go any farther back and say, hey, look, I know God can do this. This is what he did in my past. This is who he is to me right now. Let's go to him together. Does it make sense? So we're going to be hospitable, and we build those relationships. And once I've built a relationship, I've got that in with somebody. I can then come to the point to where God can, I can make him known. I can be an instrument of God's kindness to bring someone to repentance. And as we um, think about making him known, Second <clears throat> Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And when I first really started diving into God's Word, and I was serious about it, man, I was reading, I came across one scripture that said, do not cast your pearls before swine that they might trot on them. And with an ignorance of God's Word, and and the word ignorance just means lack of knowledge, with an ignorance of God's Word, I'm like, well, I got some people in my mind that are just rude. You don't want me to share with them, do you? And then God brought me to this verse. And and with a real highly educated PhD understanding of the fact that all means all. And I want you to hear this. I don't know if you guys know who Reinhard Bonnke is. Um, He's an evangelist. Um, He made a statement. I was reading his book, um, Living a Life of Fire. And he said, whether victims or perpetrators, those are, that's someone who has been hurt. Or someone who has done the hurting. His blood was shed for the sins of all. No cause or effect of human failure is beyond his reach. It hit me. I was like, I was like, I like that. All means all. And once again, then we go back to that empathy thing. How dare I think because someone's sin was different than what I may have been bound in, that they are beyond reach. So I'm going to make him known, and I'm going to share him with everyone. And it's a process. Um, there's a song, I don't know if you guys have heard it, it's entitled Worthy, and it goes, uh, You thought I was worth saving, yes. So you came and changed my life. 
You thought I was worth keeping, yes. So you cleaned me up inside. You thought I was to die for, yes. So you sacrificed your life so I could be free, so I could be whole, so I could tell everyone I know. You thought I was worth saving. And I think that's the progression in these table manners. We know him. And as we get to know him, he cleans us up. And as he cleans us up, I have those testimonies that I can share with others. And I can make him known. As you make him known, I want to give this, and I don't want to call it a disclaimer, I guess I guess you could say it. I want to. We, we, we got to make sure that we give them the real Jesus. Jesus said that one of the telltale signs that the end of the age is approaching will be the fact that the deception will be so thick. And you know that the deception is thick when there is clergy from the pulpit. People are being told that. You're just, you're okay. You're okay with God. And there's no urging. There's no compelling to turn from things that are a hindrance to a relationship with God. To turn from sin. So as we share Him, let's make sure that we give them the real Jesus, the full Jesus. We're not just going to simply say, like Jesus said to the woman at the well, your sins are forgiven. And leave it at that. Give them the full Jesus. Your sins are forgiven. Now go and sin no more. I forgive you, Michael. Now stop stealing. Give them the full Jesus. And I want to share this with you, um, and, and I'll close with this. Um, as we share him, keep in mind that people are watching you, especially if you say, I am a child of the Most High. People are watching you. Um, I was working at an eyeglass place in Columbus, Ohio. This was, like I'm telling you, like it was ravenous, guys. Every break we had, 15-minute breaks, two 15-minute breaks and a 30-minute lunch. Each 15-minute break, I was actually trying to go off in a corner where nobody could see me. I, I wasn't trying to bother anybody. I just had to eat. I had to get into his word. And... I worked with a lot of different people. Columbus was a hub for many different nationalities, um, pe people groups. And I worked with one guy. His name was Poppy. He was from Senegal, Africa. And one day he came up to me, and he was like, I see you, Michael. And I was like, whoa, dude. I was like, what's up, man? He was like, you are not like the other Christians. You are real. I was like, what do you mean? He was like, I... I see you. You go into the corner and you read your Bible and you pray. And I was like, well, thank you, Poppy. But it actually hurt my heart because he should have been able to say that about any of us who say we, we are Christians. There should be those telltale signs. And I had never said anything to him about it, but he saw those things. And I want you to see this. The most powerful thing I did in this story comes next. It wasn't... I, I, quoted scriptures and hey you got to listen to this poppy i'm going to quote the scripture to you you got to hear it man it's the truth when i went back to my apartment with the ugly green and white checkered couch i would hit the edge of that couch or the edge of my bed and i'd weep and i'd say father god give me a window open up an opportunity for me to share you with poppy i want to see him i want to see him saved father god give me that opportunity and some time passed, and, and I was reading about in Acts 17, when Paul visited the, uh, the Thessalonians. And he used, Paul used what was familiar to them as a segue, as a window in, to usher in the, tr the one and true God. Because he walked through and he saw that they had an idol to the unknown God. He said, I'm going to tell you about the God you don't know. So I, I was praying, and, and while I was reading that, you know, I had prayed for Poppy, and I'm, I'm going to be honest, probably about a week and a half, two weeks had passed. 
I'm reading that, and it popped into my head. Poppy was a Muslim. I said, all right, I'll tell you what. I was like, get a Quran, go to the concordance or the index, and see what the Quran has to say about Jesus. So I went, read multiple verses, um, and I found one particular verse, and it basically said something to the effect of, how dare Jesus call himself the Son of God? Allah the merciful is one. Um, Allah the merciful shows himself merciful by not striking him dead. Something to that effect. So I took an index card. I wrote that, that down. And then I wrote one particular scripture. And it was very odd, but it was the one that was in my heart to write. Um, there is but one mediator between God and man, and that is the man Christ Jesus. And I wrote that on index cards. And I went back to work the next day. And I'll be honest, I was nervous about it. But I said, hey, Poppy, I got something I want you to read, man. And I handed it to him, and he read it right there. I said, Poppy, one of these is a lie. I said, uh, you have to make that choice. You have to make up your mind. One of these is a lie. And I walked away. And I was like, all right, that's all I got to do. That's all that came into my mind. I did what I'm supposed to do. Everything is good. Two days later, it was about two days later, Poppy came back. He said, Michael, you are messing with me. I said, whoa, what are you talking about? He said, I am a Muslim, and I will not change. But can you get me one of these Bibles in French? I said, yes, I can, Poppy. Yes, I can, and I will. And I spoke with, uh, I spoke with a pastor who was in my life at that time, and he got me an Old and New Testament in French, and I gave it to Poppy. And um, I never got to walk Poppy through the scriptures of this is how you... you um, accept the invitation that Christ is extending to you. I said, but I know for a fact that I'll see Poppy at the wedding supper of the Lamb because of that moment. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt. I can't wait. I can't wait to worship Christ with him. When you get there, I want to go back. Once again, I've, I've tried to interweave it throughout this whole piece. This is not you doing anything on your own. That hunger will not come. Well, let's go back to the very first one. You will not have a desire to answer Christ's call without the Holy Spirit's movement. You will not develop the hunger for God's Word without the pushing of the Holy Spirit. So lean into that Holy Spirit. And as you make Him known, it is not your job to convince, to harangue, to goad, to push someone into accepting Christ. It is the Holy Spirit's job. And I, like I said before, God is really good at His job. Really good. They ultimately have to make a choice. C.S. Lewis said that when you come face to face with Christ, one true God, you have to make a decision based on the claims that He made. You either make the decision that you think He is either a lunatic, a liar, or Lord of all. And the best that we can do is trust the Holy Spirit. Let those rivers of living water issue forth from us. And then, once we've done so, hit the edge of our bed and pray for that individual. Father God, bring to memory the conversation we had. That they might come to you. Save their soul. Will you save this one? I'm asking you for this one, Father God. And when your desires like that line up with God's word and his heart, that, that scripture that says God will give you the desires of your heart, I don't think he'll deny you on that. I want to leave you with uh, one final question. As you go through this upcoming week, once again, it will not be you. It will be the Holy Spirit doing the work. But who will be at the table, at the wedding supper of the Lamb? Because you and I truly knew and were obedient to the leading of Jesus the Christ. Thank you so much for your time. All right. You want to close us out in prayer, Brother Roy? Would you? Would you be willing to close us out in prayer? Oh, yeah?
All right. Uh, everybody, uh, let's, let's close out with prayer. Father God, we, uh, we thank you so much for this time together. Once again, I pray that you would burn in our hearts a desire to know you more. Burn in our hearts a hunger for your word. Burn in our hearts a desire to, to be hospitable. To be instruments of your kindness. Give us the words to say in season to make you known to those who are hurting around us. We praise you. We praise you. You are so good. You are worthy, worthy, worthy. You are holy, holy, holy. Have your way in us. Have your way in us. We praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. You guys have a beautiful week and we'll see you Sunday.